This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com and 365 Sports. It is West Virginia week, and in just two days, the Baylor Bears will take the field against the Mountaineers in Morgantown. Baylor 3-2 and two on the year, and West Virginia at 2-3, and three, so an important game coming up for both teams as we are right there about the halfway mark of the 2022 schedule. I'm Craig Smoke. 365 Sports host, Sikkim 365 writer, joined by Grayson Grunhafer, Director of Broadcasting, Team and Recruiting Reporter for Sikkim 365. And Grayson, how was the open week, off week, bye week, however you want to refer to it? Yeah, it was a good bye week, right? I mean, hopefully for the team, they were able to kind of get some things together. I know Baylor's got a lot to work on, West Virginia as well. Lots to work on coming off of their loss to Texas. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, all in all, it was a good bye week. I, I'm so curious to see these two teams play and just see how much they've improved coming off the bye week, especially, you know, Baylor, just because we cover them and, and see them so much. And there's been all this talk about, you know, how much they need to improve, how much they need to get better after losing to Oklahoma State. So very intrigued by that. Um, but in general, it's nice to have a week off, nice to have a week to sit back and watch chaos in the Big 12. And so I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it was an entertaining week as always, and yeah, I think uh, both teams going into this game are pretty desperate for a win. Uh, Baylor, of course, at 3-2, and two, uh, getting the break after being able to uh, find themselves, you know, going out on the road and grabbing a nice win in names, but only turning around to, to fall to Oklahoma State at home, and so they've had to sit on that one and kind of chew on that one uh, for a while, and for West Virginia, got off to a really tough start because of, well, I mean, a couple tough games. They had Pitt, which now that doesn't look as big in, in hindsight. Uh, Pitt's very much starting to fall off the map now. Uh, Kansas, however, turned out to be not as dramatic of a loss as maybe you thought because it wasn't losing to Kansas like you typically lose to Kansas like Texas would, for example, where it's embarrassing. Uh, this has turned out to be a pretty good Kansas team, so not as much shame in losing to them in overtime, but um, you know, reeled off a couple wins and started feeling pretty good, and then Texas just slapped them around and um, sent them into the bye week uh, in a similar vein to, to Baylor following Oklahoma State, although there was a lot more to respect about Baylor's efforts against the Cowboys than, than the Mountaineers, who really had no shot whatsoever against the Longhorns. Yeah, it was 28-0 to zero at one point. And you also have to remember, everyone's talking about Texas this week after they blew out Oklahoma, but let's remember that that game that West Virginia played versus Texas was with Hudson Card and not Quinn Ewers. So very different Texas team, a team that lost to Texas Tech. Uh, earlier in the year. So, yeah, I, I think Baylor is probably feeling in a better position, even though I would sit there and say, you know, Baylor's performance wasn't great either. You no. know, they were down, what, 23-3? to three? So it's not like they were just, you know, head over heels, you know, right in the game with Oklahoma State the entire way. Like, they were down for majority of that game, pretty much the whole game, honestly. Um, very similar to West Virginia. So both these teams do need a bounce back. I would say if you looked at the numbers, you'd say Baylor played better. But again, you know, you don't come away from a loss with any moral victory, I think, on either side. No, I only meant that in that they actually had a chance to win the game. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia had absolutely no <laughs> shot. Uh, Baylor, even though they didn't play well, had a shot to win the game sure. if they had played a little 
little bit better, but that's been the tale of this team all season long, uh, basically. Uh, you've got wins over Albany, Texas State, and Iowa State. You've got losses to BYU and Oklahoma State, Grayson. And uh, let's just see, I guess, the open week. Uh, Dave Aranda addressing the reporters on uh, Saturday rather than the usual Monday because of uh, obviously being on a Thursday night. So there's that unique nature to this game. Uh, being Thursday night, being just a little bit of a disruption in the schedule, but uh, also being you know a, a week where, according to him, they really looked inward once again and kind of focused on them. And he mentioned you know complacency amongst the veterans, and he mentioned just the inexperience and kind of the the ability to to focus in on the the little things and the day to day when it comes to the younger players and you know maturity and things like that. Uh, a lot of the same stuff we've kind of been hearing, uh, not only all year long, but really all year long, like not just the season, but really going back to February. And when they first started to build this team, not last year's team, not 2020's team, not 2019, like this year's team, the one that's going to be suiting up in a couple of nights from now, uh, when they first started building the foundation for this, I mean, he's, he was talking about the elements that were needed and the way the veterans needed to step it up and the, what the young guys needed to do. And then, you know, as we got into spring ball, I kind of hammered home on that more. And then got into summer and talked about that some more. And we got closer to the season. And that was a big talking point during media days. And get into the season, and he's still kind of talking about it. And then they fall to BYU, and then they fall to Oklahoma State. And here we are, and he's still talking about some of the same things that we've been hearing him talk about really, again, all year long going back to February when this team first began its journey. So how are you kind of taking that in at this point that, um, you know, it still seems like there's just something that's a little bit off. There's, I don't know if, if it's the chemistry per se, but there is a disconnect of sorts just in terms of kind of well, what they're requiring, obviously, is, is a little less complacency from the veterans, whoever that may be, and a little bit more day-to-day and, and, and whatnot from, from the young guys. Like, how are you taking that in when you hear him talk about that? And given the fact that we're five games in now at this point, um, what does all of that mean to you as you try to sort through just where Dave Aranda's coming from and the messages that he's sending? Well, I think it's cost them two games um, is kind of what I think. You know, if you look at that BYU game, I think there was this expectation and this thought that Baylor was going to go in there and beat up on BYU. And I think that was probably a popular thought on the team after what they did to BYU a year ago. And I think you go in there and then you get punched in the mouth a little bit and things don't go according to plan. And then you don't have the leaders that are able to just completely fix those things on the run. And that's going to happen in college football. You're going to have moments where you get hit in the mouth. Someone comes out with something you didn't expect, or you have an injury that you didn't expect. And it's all about your leadership and how can you adjust and how can you make sure that your team stays focused and locked in, even when those things happen. And I think that's been tough for Baylor, you know, at this point in the year, they haven't been able to really confront adversity very well. You know, the Albany game, the Texas State game, and the Iowa State game, they built pretty big leads. So it didn't really feel like there was a ton of adversity. But in those other two games, they were faced with the adversity and they weren't able to overcome that. So hopefully with the bye week, hopefully they're able to kind of have those meetings, those discussions amongst the team and really be able to kind of sit down and figure out what does this team need? Because they're not last year's team. What does this team need to be successful? And that's going to be really important. They really need their leaders or needed their leaders to emerge this week during the bye week and hopefully help change this team's mindset going forward because they're going to be faced with much more adversity. 
And really the in success or in failure of this year is going to come down to how do they handle that adversity and how many of these close games are they able to come through and win? Yep. So I look at Thursday night as a bit of a crossroads because this is, you know, this is the rest of the road. There are no breaks on the schedule unless you make a bowl game and, and you have your bowl season lineup and, you know, whenever your game's played, however many practices you'll I mean, everybody gets the same practices, but you know what I mean, like how you spread that out. But you've got to earn that first, so they need to get three more wins down the stretch. Um, and as it's been repeated probably everywhere that talks Big 12 football, there are no gimmies this year. And I would say the closest thing to a gimme is what you're facing Thursday night. But it's on a Thursday night, which is just weird, and it's never normal to play on a Thursday night. And it's also in Morgantown where you've never won before. And it's also a team with a pretty good quarterback. And, you know, I think if C.J. Donaldson was playing in this game for West Virginia, I'd be a little bit more concerned um, just because he's a good player that's missing from their lineup. But, you know, they can be feisty. So I'm expecting a, you know, a raucous crowd, and I'm expecting a West Virginia team that kind of feels like it's got its back against the wall because, you know, they're fighting for Neil Brown, and they're also fighting to make a bowl game and uh, fighting to, you know, get on the other side of 500 and whatnot. So I, I think, Grayson, what's most clear to me is – um, you know, this is a, its own unique team, but BYU clearly had something stuck in their craw for an entire year when it came to Baylor. Like, their offseason was built around the Baylor loss in some ways, like as far as the physicality and, you know, knowing that they were going to play them again, and we saw how big of a deal that was in Provo. And then you get to Oklahoma State, and it's like if you needed any, like, ammunition for this game, like Oklahoma State had it. Like, you stopped us at the one-yard line. We've heard about it all – off season, we should have been Big 12 champs. You you stuffed us, and like that's not going to leave us anytime soon. And so Spencer Sanders, after the game on Saturday, is talking about like how yeah that really meant lot, meant a lot to them. I'm sitting here talking to West Virginia folks. And I mentioned this in my article, and they're mentioning like how physically whipped the Mountaineers, you know, how badly they got whipped last year by Baylor, and how Neil Brown's been talking about that. And so I think it's fair to say that you know, ready or not. Uh, here come the Mountaineers, and they're going to be jacked up like BYU was and like Oklahoma State was and like everybody who suits up against Baylor this year because even though they not haven't always necessarily taken the field this way, they are the hunted still, and they're going to remain that way. So do you think that they're, they're ready for the best shot come Thursday night? Yeah, I, I think there's one key difference between this matchup versus the previous two, and it's that when you look at BYU, who did BYU play before Baylor? Wasn't anyone good. Who did Oklahoma State play before Baylor? Wasn't anyone good. I think both those teams were able to basically sit back all offseason and say, hey, our first game is that Baylor game. West Virginia does not have that luxury. They circled that pit game. You know, that was their game at the beginning of the year to go out and win. So I think it's different in that regard. But I do see exactly what you're saying, though, as in regards to I can put on this film and Neil Brown can be like, look at how you got demolished by this Baylor team. And here's the deal. West Virginia had a good defensive front last year. They have a great defensive front again this year, and Baylor just whooped up on them. So they're definitely going to challenge their guys this week. But I do think it's a little bit different as far as I think Oklahoma State and BYU literally schemed for Baylor all offseason and even during the year because they weren't really tested at all at the beginning. That's fair. That's a good viewpoint. But 
um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a given that every week that they line up, whether they realize it or not, like yep. they are being treated as though they're the Big 12 champs still, and they're the one that's standing in the way mm-hmm. of people, even if that's not necessarily the case. Um, and I think that was very clear with the last contest and, and with BYU, as I mentioned. And I think it's just very clear that West Virginia does have a little bit of a chip stemming from last year and just how they – how they kind of got manhandled uh, in so many ways by that Baylor football team. So big game coming up on Thursday. Uh, we kind of, you know, set the stakes here as far as, you know, kind of the feeling right now and um, how important this this is for both teams. I mean, this is, again, a fork in the road, as I mentioned. Um, let's take a look at the Mountaineers. What are you looking at offensively? Obviously, we start with JT Daniels in terms of looking at the Mountaineer offense and him coming in this past offseason, but uh, – how would you describe what Baylor's getting ready to see come up Thursday night with uh, Neil Brown's offense? Yeah, so JT Daniels has changed a lot for them. He's obviously been far more accurate, far more productive. He's really, I think, gotten the best out of the guys that they have. Um, but I also think an important thing to recognize for West Virginia is how much better they've been running the football. That's been a huge problem for West Virginia every year since Neil Brown got there. And they've been so much better this season. They're averaging 186 yards per game. That's 39th in the country. Shockingly, that's only two spots behind Baylor. Um, so that, that's kind of a very interesting dynamic there. But they're getting the run game going. You mentioned C.J. Donaldson won't be there. They still have two capable running backs with Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson Jr., both averaging over 4.2 yards per carry. So they're still pretty good there. Obviously, Donaldson was nearly averaging seven yards per carry, so he is a loss, no doubt about it, but their run game does look far better than it has in past years. Now, as far as JT Daniels goes, he's been very good. He's also helped by, in my eyes, one of the best trios at wide receiver in the entire Big 12. They're very, very good. You're talking about Bryce Ford Wheaton, who is a guy who was actually on my all-Big 12 ballot this season um, because I really, I just like his game and he's been awesome for them outside of that drop against Pitt that (laughs) cost them the game. He's been very good. 412 yards, four touchdowns, Caden Prather, 260 yards and two touchdowns. And then Sam James, who is at big 12 media days for them as a leader for this team, uh, 305 yards and two touchdowns. So they got three guys who they really rely on in the past game. JT Daniels trusts those guys a lot. But one thing to keep an eye on is JT Daniels is only averaging 7.1 adjusted yards per attempt. That's not very high. They're they're not they're, they're one of those teams who you look at the numbers and you see the sack numbers and you say, wow, they haven't given up a ton of sacks this year. But it's because they're really trying to get the ball out of JT Daniels' hands quickly. So if you can take away his first or second read, you can make things really challenging for them, I think, if your defense line is able to create enough pressure. So Offensively, they're pretty good. They're averaging 38.2 points per game, 24th in the country. So, again, they've had a big step and a big upgrade there on the offensive side with all these weapons, which is going to challenge Baylor. And they've they've always had weapons. It's just, uh, I think... They have, but they haven't had a quarterback to accentuate. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, Yeah. because they've always had weapons. It's that they had Jarrett Deggy back there rather than JT Daniels. And uh, if you haven't watched West Virginia, there's a noticeable difference in JT Daniels leading this team and and what we've seen most recently from West Virginia. Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, he makes them a lot more um, capable than than we've seen the last couple of years. And uh, this will be a challenge for the Baylor defense who – you know, quite frankly, is not getting to the quarterback enough. Um, and I think that that's been something that's been talked about pretty widely. And I think that's something that, you know, Iran has addressed from time to time. 
Um, you know, and when you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, that doesn't help your back end that's already, you know, in a bit of flux anyways and, and kind of having a hard go of things. So uh, you think JT Daniels has a, you know, a little bit of uh, a good feeling when he's watching the, the Baylor secondary on, on tape, or do you think they're going to, you know, be a more bit more of a challenge than maybe we've thought that they've been for opposing quarterbacks so far this season. Yeah, I, you know, I think that Baylor's defense is going to have some tricks up their sleeve in this game. I really do. I, I think they probably learned a lot from that Oklahoma State game. I also think Spencer Sanders' mobility really hurt them. JT is not a mobile quarterback, really. He's more of a statue in the pocket. He can move a little, but he's not looking to run the football. I think he's got like negative 30, yeah, negative 40 yards rushing on the season. So he wants to stand in the pocket, and that's great news for Baylor because Baylor loves quarterbacks, at least in the Dave Aranda era. They have loved quarterbacks who are statues in the pocket. They've really feasted on those type of quarterbacks. And so for me, when I sit back and look, okay, he wants to stay in the pocket. He wants to get rid of the football quickly. They want to take advantage of a lot of short passes. I think that bodes really well for Baylor. You know, Baylor's biggest problem has been those one-on-one -on -one shots down the sideline. They simply have not had an answer for those. I'm hoping off the bye they're able to get the cornerback situation figured out. But in general, I think it's a good matchup. And it's also a good matchup because Baylor's been great against the run. And West Virginia has clearly wanted to establish the run in every single game this year. And Baylor has an ability to take that away from teams. So in general, I really feel like Baylor has an opportunity here to uh, kind of stifle them a little bit on the offensive side. And that means great things because West Virginia defensively has taken a fairly big step back. Well, let's talk about that. we got the Baylor offense uh, with Blake Shapin running the show. It's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, yep. You know, just this is kind of we're not doing a full-blown midseason review, but just kind of you know, hitting on this, I just mentioned the secondary with the defense, the lack of pass rush. Those have been the two biggest problems, would you say, yeah. defensively? Yeah. Um, offensively, um, wide receivers have been very much a mixed bag or just kind of complete unknowns in, in some ways. Um, there's just not been a lot of firepower coming out of out of the second uh, out of the uh, wide receiver group. Offensive line's been pretty good, but they haven't been dominant like people expected. The run game's been hit or miss, and that's had a lot to do with just who's available. So Richard Reese has basically become your de facto number one because he's like the only healthy running back, uh, basically. And Blake Shapin's been pretty good, but probably not viewed as being as good as he's been because of just the deficiencies elsewhere and because of the 3-2 and two record. Um, but I think he's been pretty good. And, yes, there are things that he can improve, but he's not, like, their problem by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, with this Baylor offense, kind of how are you feeling and what does, you know, this present West Virginia in terms of problems, you think? Yeah, so I actually do have a question for you before we dive into that. I got asked this, and I had my response to it. I want to see yours because I got a little bit of heat for this. It uh, Up to today not projecting the rest of the season, not saying who you'd rather have going on the rest of the year. Up to today, where would you rank Blake Shapin's performance so far? Of Big 12 quarterbacks. Of Big 12 quarterbacks. Of Big 12 quarterbacks. Who, who is he? I, it really is just who has he been better than? Um, well, let me pull up a list of the Big 12 teams. So Hunter Deckers, he's been he's better than Hunter. Oh, I mean, like, let's, yeah, let's go in an order of, here, let me pull it up real quick. Just the, the list of teams so we can check on through them. Uh, Oklahoma, he's been better than their guys. Um, Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, I think he's been better than Dylan Gabriel. He's definitely better than Davis Bevel, that's for, for oh, sure. Well, yeah. um, he's not better than Spencer Sanders. Okay. Um, 
Adrian Martinez. Well, I'm, I'm trying to go here in an oh. order so I don't lose track. Uh, Jalen Daniels slash Jason Bean. I mean, I guess I couldn't say he's been better than Jalen Daniels, just given what we've seen, you know, in that regard. I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't know about, like, X's and O's wise, yeah. but, like, as far as attention and all of that, like, he's not better than Jalen Daniels. So um, it's up to this point in the year. We're not projecting rest of the season. We're just yeah, up to right now. Yeah. So yeah, better than OU. Um, not better than Oklahoma State or K- Kansas. Okay. Uh, better than Hunter Deckers. Yeah. Um, JT. Uh, no, I'm going in order oh, here sorry. on what I got in yeah. front of me. Uh, Kansas State. <sighs> it's just so different. Like Adrian Martinez runs the football basically, and Blake is a thrower. So. I mean, I don't. I don't even really view them on the same level, but uh, I guess not as good as. I mean, what? I don't know. Okay. Like similar to Adrian Martinez, similar. or too okay. different for me to really think that Adrian Martinez has been better than Blake. Okay. I don't know that that's the case. Max Duggan, I'd say yeah, just because of where they are. Uh, JT, no, I wouldn't say he's been better than okay. uh, Blake. Uh, so Blake, yes, better than JT, I guess. Um, Texas Tech still doesn't have a quarterback they've settled on, so no, there. Um, and who does that leave me? That's uh, and then Texas, I guess, would be Blake the yours. the next one. And yeah, I'd take yours over Blake Shapin. I think everybody would take him over pretty much anybody in the league. So what is that like five, He's fifth or sixth, yeah. depending on where you have him yeah, with Adrian yeah. Martinez? Yeah, and that's that's about where I had him. And I got major heat for it. a lot of people telling me he should be like second or third. And and oh I, well, there's there's a lot of opinions whenever you don't go a certain right. way. Like you know, picking well, against Baylor, even though they're three and two right now, is yeah. is apparently you know. Being whatever that's being, yeah. Yeah, and I think that the important thing to mention is we're talking about up to this point in the season, we're talking about what they've done on the football field. And I think in the Big 12 this year, you could make a case for so many of these quarterbacks. Like, I could sit here and make a case that JT Daniels at times has been better than Blake Shapin. Sure. Like if you, Adrian if, Martinez, yeah. Yeah, if you look at kind of who they've played, who they've beaten, what they've been able to do th- – what the talent they have around them, the expectations, like all of that, you can make a case. I have him right around fifth or sixth, um, which is in that middle of the pack, right? And so I, I think that they need him to eventually be inside the top three or four if they want to win the Big 12, though. So just that's my thoughts on it. He needs to play better. He needs to take a step up. And I think this is the perfect game for it. And the reason why I say that is because West Virginia has been very good against the run. They've had this capability of stopping the run, very similar to Baylor, not quite on the level of Baylor, but still been very good at stopping the run. They're only giving up 100.6 yards per game. That's 21st in the country. So they've been very solid in that regard. But the pass yards, they're giving up 231 passing yards per game. That's where they're beatable. Um, and they're also giving up... Um, you know, 29.6 points per game, which is outside the top 80 in the country. So they're not very good at stopping opponents from scoring points. I think Blake Shapin's going to have to have a really good performance, and I think he has the weapons necessary to go on the road and score and move the ball methodically against West Virginia, similar to what he did on the road in Ames. I would hope so. Yeah, I I do think that West Virginia's got – if. Like past years aren't always indicators, but I do think they are a little bit of a you know trend. When you come to playing West Virginia, you kind of know what to expect at this point if you're Baylor, and it's like yeah, the defense is going to be problematic, and the offense could be very hit or miss. Although it's probably going to be more hit than miss this time around with JT, but yeah, the defense is almost certainly going to you know be kind of 
where you focus initially with the Mountaineers. For sure, and especially up front. That's where they've been mm -hmm. so good. But in the past two years, their secondary just has not been what it was. They got hit by the transfer portal a Badly. year ago where yeah. they got they were losing starters. And that, that's hard to replace. And so this year, it's kind of a mix and match of transfers. And then you look at the fact they only have 11 sacks this year. Whereas Baylor only has 10. So they haven't been great getting after the quarterback either. Again, th this should be a game where Blake Shapin has time and where Blake Shapin just comes out and looks ultra pre prepared for this defense and plays really well. I'm expecting that. And I think Baylor really needs that out of Shapin in this matchup. And I think it's going to be real important that they actually get that from him. Well, yeah, it is a, a big stage on Thursday night. I mean, the world of college football is going to be kind of locked in on this game. Um, you know, there's only so many offerings, and this will be that Thursday night, you know, uh, weekend appetizer to lead you into all the rest of the games. And so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, and I definitely think it's going to be a great challenge. And, yeah, I think Blake Shapin's going to have to play really sharp. Absolutely. There's just no giving with the run game right now. Uh, and then, you know, as you said, playing West Virginia, that's already a challenge to begin with. So, yeah, uh, Blake's going to be able to, to need to throw the football around and have some time and, and also make some really – you know, good decisions, and I know that's status quo for any quarterback pretty much every week, but, I mean, it's just – it is what it is, and, and he's going to have to be sharp on Thursday night. Yeah, so a little fun fact. Last year, Baylor was kind of in this similar situation rushing the quarterback. They were struggling, having some issues, and then in their sixth game of the year, they turned things around, and they had six sacks. That was against West Virginia last year. So we'll see if they're able to have that same kind of performance defensively. I think for me, going into this game, I think this is more about a culture identity for Baylor than anything yep. else. Man, and, you know, it is, it's dude. A, and, I, yeah. you know, I I love, like, breaking down the aspects mm -hmm. of it. But man, I said it when I walked in here is, like, Rand is saying the same things yeah. every week. And, like, it's very clear that the, the answer for this team is not what the other team is doing. It's not – like even health uh, in some cases, it's just guys doing their jobs like mm -hmm. and just doing them at a high level. It's simply that. And he's said that now a hundred times in so many variations. And it's a little bit different for the younger guys than it is for the older guys. Um, but it's ultimately the same thing of just like, hello guys, wake up. Like yeah. Mike, is the mic on? Because we're six games into this bad boy now. And like, if you want to go to where you want to go to, like we need to like hit this now. And hopefully that message is getting across, man. Cause if they, they go walk, you know, do, 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 do into West Virginia on Thursday night. Like it's going to be like it was in Provo or it's going to be like it was against Oklahoma state where, you know, you look up and it's like, Oh, you're scrambling to try to win this game all of a sudden. So yeah, I, I think it's pretty simple. Like, we can say so many things, but really it's just down to the players to to do their jobs and to make plays, really. Yeah, and, and to the coaches to have good game plans and all that. But, right. but really, execution. That's all it is, is execution. Well, and I just think in general it's like that perfect matchup of who is this Baylor team because you're facing a West Virginia team that is stout against the run. So can you turn around and run on them like you did last year? Can you come in with that RVO style and run right at them while also taking shots over the top and play action? Can you establish yourself as the more physical football team again like you did a year ago? That's big for this team. They need that. They need to be shown like, hey, we can run over teams. We can do that again like we did a year ago. That's going to be very important. I also think 
you know, on the defensive side, you've been tasked with, you know, the cornerbacks. Everyone's talking about how they've underachieved this year. You're going to get tested by three really good receivers. Everyone's talking about how there hasn't been a pass rush for Baylor. Well, you're facing a team that you can get a pass rush on and you can make plays as a defensive line. I just think this sets up too perfectly for us to really find out who Baylor is as a football team and honestly for Baylor to find out who they are Mm -hmm. as a football team. I think that is extremely important and I'm hoping after this bye week that this team found their cultural identity again and they get back to the style of football we saw from a year ago because that's going to be the only thing that will save their season. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're not going to have like a seasoned leader show up and walk through the doors and guide you the rest of the way. Like it's, you know, if you've been looking around the locker and waiting for somebody to rally the troops, like that might need to be you now. If, it's, if it still hasn't happened at this point, it might be up to you to, to do that. But I mean, hopefully that, you know, that messaging has, has gotten through extra, um, extra thick, I guess, over the, the bi-week break. But yeah, there he was on Saturday and he was kind of talking about some of the same things he's been talking about. And I think just, as you, you know, reflect on what we've seen at this point, yeah, it really just look in the mirror. That's that's where all this this lies. And, you know, some teams don't have the culture. Uh, they might have the talent. Some teams uh, might have the culture, but they don't have the talent. I think this team's capable of having both, but they just haven't necessarily connected both all that often, if at all, this year. And they've been talented enough to beat some teams without it or with not the full effect of it. And then they've certainly cost themselves some games by not having it or not executing it at a high level, especially in the in the heat of when they really need to. So um, I think there's a combination of things that lead to kind of the same issues, but it's the same issue really. And it's, it's the one that if they can correct going into Thursday and the rest of this way, they can still be that Big 12 contender and they can mm-hmm. still beat everybody on their schedule. But if they fail to correct some of those things that he's continuously brought up, then you're going to have more close losses and more disappointing defeats. And, and certainly when you look at this game on Thursday, I think for both teams, this is one that neither side can, can afford to lose because, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule and you look at what's in store. And, um, you know, I hate to keep saying the same thing when it comes to the Big 12, and we'll talk about it in the, the mailbag in just a second, but there, there's no gimmies. Like, there's truly no game left that you go like, oh, that's the Kansas game. We'll win that one. Or that's – there's none of that. There's not a single one of those remaining. So, very important game and would be huge to get their first win in Morgantown. They're certainly capable of doing it, folks. Uh, nobody's questioning the talent level or – the coaching or whatever, like you might question certain aspects of it, but I think we all know the deal. We've been hammered home the last five minutes or so. It's just simply a cultural identity and a belief and just going out there and executing. And, and that's really all, all it's about. If they hit their cultural identity, then they're going to be seven and two going into that Kansas state game. Yeah. McLean stadium. Yeah. They're and, fully capable of running the rest of the way. Like they are, but yeah. and you have your whole season in front of you, if you're able to do that. And I mean, if you look at their schedule coming up, like, West Virginia, Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, you're really facing probably the bottom uh, four of the five bottom teams in the Big 12, not including Iowa State mm-hmm. in this run. This is a perfect opportunity to get right, but if they lose this game, they're probably going to win six games this year if yeah. they lose this game. Yeah, yeah that's and that's not skies falling or being negative. That's no. just being realistic. I mean, we're, we're six, six yeah. games in as of Thursday night, so it's like the season's only getting shorter, and, and so, yes uh, – Hammering the point home, this is an important game on Thursday yeah. night for a lot of different reasons. And and this is, again, I used this phrase earlier, it's a fork in the road. It's right. it's a fork in the road for Baylor. It's a fork in the road for West Virginia to kind of set the trail for 
you know, the, the rest of the, the season's direction. So um, let's see what kind of focus they go in there with. It'll be big. And obviously when we're talking about like that cultural identity. I think that that also includes, and correct me if I'm speaking for you or not, but that includes having energy at the beginning of a game. That includes having a killer instinct and knowing when to go for the kill. That includes, you know, not going into halftime, giving up a score uh, right before you, you head into the locker room or coming out of the half and giving up a score when you're in a tight ball game. Like just some of those those areas that, that need sharpening. Um, I think they're they're pretty pretty obvious. So hopefully they're obvious to the team at this point and hopefully they're, they're obvious corrections to make. But um, if they can do that, then there's a lot of fun to be had. And um, – just very interested to see kind of how Thursday night unfolds. So uh, anything special teams-wise that's of note for for West Virginia? I mean, certainly for Baylor, that's an area that they've yeah. got to be sharper. We, we, you know, we know that the, the issues that, that are there um, and, and how much that played them against Oklahoma State. I mean, that was the area that cost them most dearly against the Cowboys. So Baylor needs to be better in that regard, and I would expect him to be better. Uh, Aranda made it a point to mention it the way he did uh, after that game, but anything on the West Virginia side? I mean, they got the uh, All-Big 12 preseason kicker uh, in Casey Leg. I mean, he's phenomenal. He hasn't missed a kick this year, so if you're counting on them to make a lot of mistakes in the kicking game, probably not going to happen. Their punter hasn't been amazing, though. He's only averaging 40 yards per punt. Um, he's only punted 13 times, but yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. I mean, they're they're pretty good in that regard, and then also, you know, they've been using Jeremiah Aaron as the return man, but Sam James is kind of a counted on sturdy veteran. So if something does happen with Aaron, I would expect Sam James to be back there just catching, so he's not fumbling the football. But you never know; this game could go sideways. But I don't expect the West Virginia kicking game to be a reason why Baylor wins this one. So um, there, there kind of is just a preview of the Mountaineers and and where Baylor stands going into this one on Thursday night. Uh, let's get in the mailbag. Just a couple of questions, and we'll get to our Big Twelve picks and close this bad boy on out. Um, and let's start with overall minion. Have you ever seen this much parity in the Big Twelve? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And I was just talking about how you know Baylor's capable of winning every game the rest of the way. They're also capable of losing every game the rest of the way, including West Virginia. Right now, you got K State at three and zero in Big Twelve play. Oklahoma State and TCU are both two and zero, and then you've got KU and Texas at two and one. Baylor at one and one, Texas Tech at one and two, and then West Virginia zero and two, Iowa State zero and three, Oklahoma zero and three. So Oklahoma and Iowa State are basically out of it. Um, West Virginia would be out of it with a loss on Thursday night. You think? Oh, Oklahoma. Basically yeah. out of it at 0-3? Yeah, 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 they're done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Iowa State, Oklahoma, they're pretty much toast. Uh, you've already beaten Iowa State, so that's out of the way. You could make West Virginia toast with a, a win on Thursday night and get them out of the way. Uh, but you got to face everybody else but Oklahoma State still upcoming. Um, but, you know, the point of the question being just the parody in the Big 12, have you ever seen it like this uh, from top to bottom? No, I haven't. There's normally a Kansas at the bottom of these standings. There's no Kansas this year. There's West Virginia at the bottom of the standings. Arguably, there's Oklahoma at the bottom of the standings right now. Um, there's Iowa State at the bottom of the standings, and they're just not very good at the moment, but um, they're still not Kansas-level bad. So, 
no, I haven't seen it this this stacked top to bottom, and it makes for a lot of fun, but it also makes for probably like a three-loss you know, champion at the end of the road and no playoff team probably. But I don't know. It's a lot of fun week to week to try to sort through all the chaos. I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I had to go back a little ways. I wanted to do a little like research on this question just to kind of see what seasons have maybe gone sideways. So in 2005, that was the year Texas won the national championship, right? Um, there were a bunch of mediocre teams. The worst team was four and seven, and that was Oklahoma State. So you had a bunch of teams with seven, eight wins. Only one team had 10 wins, and that was Texas at 13 and 0. So a lot of parity, but obviously the top team, there was no parity. There was clearly a best team. And so that's where it's kind of, this is where this year is the most interesting because in past years, there's always been a team really at the top or a couple teams at the top that separated themselves. And then you had Kansas at the very bottom. And so while I know everyone's saying there is no Kansas, I mean, looking at the three bottom teams, if Baylor beats West Virginia on Thursday, I mean, any of those teams could go winless in the Big mm-hmm. 12. It, I mean, it's possible. Like, if Oklahoma doesn't get Dylan Gabriel back for the rest of the year, which, again, I don't anticipate happening, I don't know that they're winning another game. Without him, I mean, if you're going to throw for – you're going to tell me OU's throwing for 39 yards a game <laughs> – yeah, that, that, that's a problem. Iowa State, they look terrible offensively. West Virginia, if they lose this game, you know, it could bottom out for them. So the parity that we've all talked about, I don't know if it's actually going to be there by the end of the year. I think by the end of the year, you're going to see a standings that's very similar to how it was a year ago or how it was the year before. But maybe you won't have an 0-9 or a 2-10 Kansas, maybe. Yeah, and I think the fact that you look at uh, Iowa State, for example, they lost to Baylor on the road, or uh, Baylor at home, uh, who was a top-20 team by seven. They lost by three to Kansas and by one to Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So they might be 0-3, but they're not 0-3 bad as far as, like, they're capable of beating other Big 12 teams. It's just they've been on the short end of the stick in some close contests, and they're they're falling off faster. I mean, not Kansas bad in terms of there's not a team that, you would be embarrassed, like you would be like all time embarrassed to lose to, to. Yeah, like, like Texas. Was yeah, there's year. not that. Like if you lost to one of those over teams, like it would be, oh man, how did we lose to that team? How did we lose to West Virginia? But you could totally see Baylor losing to West Virginia on yeah, Thursday night. It's possible. You would not predict them to lose to Kansas, even when they were like middling under Matt Rule. Like it was, you're not losing to Kansas. Right. So that's that's what I mean by that. There's no there's no version of that this year, even that though there are some. Yet. That we know of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe Oklahoma reaches that point, but even still, like, I mean... If they get Gabriel back, they let's, won't. Let's not change history. Kansas was, like, all-time lowly right. in the history of college football the last few years. Not just some bad team. They were historically bad <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of things. So there's not a historically bad right. team like that in the conference and this year. And there's not a historically good team. I think that's the other part yeah. of it, right? That's, I don't think. That's why there's parity. I don't think there is. Now, again, you could turn we'll around, see. and if one of these teams goes undefeated, then there is. on a, You know, yeah. you can't really argue if they go undefeated or one loss. Yeah, if so. Quinn Ewers goes and rips off an undefeated schedule yeah. the rest of the way, then, then yeah, we'll change what we're talking about. There's, there's still six weeks left to go, though, so we'll, we'll yeah. see how it shakes out. Scotty B, the Baylor King. And by, to your question, like, it's probably a bad thing for national title hopes. It's a good thing, though, for just – um, people who love to watch the world burn, um, you know, and not knowing any given weekend who's going to upset who or upset who or whatever. Uh, it's fun for that, for and, sure. And it's a good thing for Baylor's Big 12 rebound championship that there isn't, you know, two or three teams that are just far and away better than everyone else. Like, Baylor's still very much in the running to potentially make a Big 12 championship. So, good for them as well. 
as long as they win this weekend. Right. And yeah, uh, well. if they don't, then those odds uh, oh, no, yeah, it's, are pretty much it's done. Yeah. Uh, pretty much done. Uh, Scotty B, the Baylor King, how often would you blitz a few linebackers or secondary players in past situations against WVU in this game? I was thinking maybe two or three times out of five plays from different areas to confuse JT Daniels in the O-line. Uh, let's just start there, Grayson. Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, JT Daniels' average yard per attempt, his adjusted yards. Um, it's only at 7.1. And I think that's an important number because, again, it speaks to how quickly West Virginia is trying to get the ball out of his hands and how they've really done a lot of stuff with short passes. So while I like the blitz, you're going to have to get there quick because they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands rather quickly. Um, I think this is actually a good game for the defensive line to really feast where you drop into coverage and you force JT to maybe take some shots downfield in coverage. Now, those have worked against Baylor up to this point in the year, but maybe they won't with this West Virginia offense. They'll bring blitzes, but I don't think they should do it too often. I do think Baylor has an advantage up front. They just need to play better and get after the quarterback a little bit more. Which player do you think steps up the most in terms of receiving yards against the pass defense for West Virginia? Um, this feels like a weekly question and one that every week we're like, I don't know, Ben Sims? Like, okay, yeah. take away Ben Sims. Yeah, this feels uh, like Monterey. This feels like Monterey. And he would be your default, on, and, and if you took him away, then there's yeah. really a long pause. But, yeah, he's the, the go-to. Now that he's kind of broken out, I think you're going to see more of him. I also, you know, you're coming off of a bye. Can we get some shots down the sideline to Hal Presley, like we saw in the Iowa State game, like a shot or two down the sideline, like just a couple times? Because what he showed on that catch against Iowa State is something that we haven't seen from any wide receiver on this team. And so I think you need to give him more opportunities. So hopefully they get him going. But yeah, Monterey is the guy who I think, I, I think he'll probably have 100 yards receiving in this game, which would uh, be huge. Yeah. Um, 903 chalk, close it out. It seems to me that Blake has to have pinpoint accuracy and our receivers are always having to make contested catches. Very few times do we have a receiver that has separation and can make an easy catch and get upfield. I see wide-open receivers in almost every game I watch around the country. Is this on the receivers? Is this a scheme issue? Or is this just based on how teams play defense against us? Thank you. You guys do an awesome job. Well, thank you, 903 Chalk, for the question this week. I think, honestly, I think this has a lot to do with the run game. And I know we, we've been saying that it's been good, and it has been good, but Baylor— They for, barely cracked 100 last time out. Yeah, I mean, but for this team to be successful with their getting guys wide open, they need the run game to be better than it has. And so, I oh, think, yeah, you know, that's for sure. So if you're if you're asking, you know, why aren't there wide open receivers running down the field? Well, that's why, because this team wants to hit you with play action shots in which you do have guys running wide open down the field. And so, yeah, Shapin's had to be really accurate. I also think I disagree with he always has to be like their play action to the tight ends have been open all year long. I mean, for easy 10 yard gains, we've seen that with Sims and Dabney. So it's not every time, but I get what you're saying. Like when you're watching the receivers, you're sitting there going, okay, they're really having to struggle to get a five-yard catch completed um, because there's a lot of coverage there. So I understand that, but if the run game gets going, I think that's where you'll start to see more guys being open down the field. And I think, too, and, and maybe I'm just putting words in, in his or her mouth here, but you don't see any receivers going out and making plays, like going and grabbing the football and making a play themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like... He's talking about how it has to be like perfect for them to get the ball and to make yeah. the catch and then to turn and like everything. It's there's just no feels fluid. difficult. Yeah, yeah, it feels hard to just complete a pass and like move the chains, you know. And and 
Uh, you'd like to just be able to toss it up, and a guy goes and grabs it out of the air and makes a move, and you know, and that's happened on occasion, but just I think very few and far between in the grand scheme of things. It does feel like yeah, it's it's hard to move the football. Is yeah. kind of how it feels sometimes. So. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see them take a couple shots to Hal Presley. I, I'm sure Monterey will be a big part of the game plan. He was uh, certainly a, a big, white-hot, bright spot, you know, um, the other other day. So, um, looking forward to seeing how he continues to to build off of you know shining like the sun the other night uh, or the other the other afternoon because he was he was great and that's what you know is come to be expected of of him. Um, just a sophomore, but has already proven to be plenty dynamic. So that was great to see, and just love to see some guys join him. That's all. Um, so we'll see if that can start on Thursday night against West Virginia. Certainly a great opportunity and a great challenge with the uh, Mountaineers' defense. So that's kind of where we are with Baylor. Uh, they had the bye week. Look in the mirror. Dave Aranda hammered home some of the same points as far as maturity and just being efficient and executing and doing things like that. Might get kind of old to hear the same thing, but that's the same issue that's been – arising pretty much the entire season and off season. And so uh, that's what they have to work on. And if they can go and do that and execute and uh, play their potential, they're, they're going to go into Morgantown and get a win on Thursday night. But if they do some of the things that have ailed them and come out slow or sluggish or, you know, uh, don't execute well, then West Virginia is going to be primed up for an upset. And it's really as simple as that, folks. It's, it's all on Baylor's shoulders to, to go in there with the right mindset and, and do their jobs. And, and the coaches and the players, it goes for, for all of them. Um, and you do that and you give yourself a chance to win, you're probably going to win. And, Going to four and two would feel, I think, like a big relief just given kind of how the first few weeks of the season have gone. I think to go to Morgantown and get that first ever win would be a really big deal and maybe a catalyst. Be huge. Catalyst yeah. for this this team kind of the rest of the way. And so, they've gotten blown out a couple times in Morgantown too. Yeah, I don't think that that's as much of like a you know a barrier as it has been in the past. No. Um, I do think playing on a weeknight, it makes it a little funkier just because the schedule's a little off. And I do think they'll have a better crowd than maybe some people are expecting just because I think that they know, much like we're talking about, they're talking about similar stuff as far as how important this game is for Neil Brown and how important this is for bowl hopes and things like that. So, yeah, uh, should should be really interesting uh, coming up uh, in Morgantown on Thursday night. And it's not the only game, of course, in the Big 12 this week, so let's close the podcast out by picking uh, all of these games that are coming up in the Big 12 Conference. All right, let's get some Big 12 predictions, and let's start with Thursday night. Uh, 6 p.m. on FS1, Baylor travels to Morgantown to take on West Virginia. Baylor's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. Uh, both teams coming off of a bye Last time out, West Virginia lost to Texas, and Baylor lost to Oklahoma State. Who do you got in this one? I'm picking the Bears. I think they're the better team overall. I think that at their best, they are better than West Virginia. I think both of them at their mid, <laughs> they're still better than West Virginia. I think West Virginia is you know, better than Baylor if Baylor shoots itself in the foot, as it's been known to do, or doesn't you know, come out and execute, which is why I keep hammering that home and why Dave Aranda keeps hammering that home. So I believe the Bears come out and execute. I believe they have some good energy. I believe they have a good focus. And I do think the bye week paid dividends, like it will for the Mountaineers as well. Um, but I think the break came at a good time to kind of reevaluate, and uh, that's going to lead to them going in there with a, a good look on Thursday night and walking out with a win. Yeah, it's now or never for Baylor. They're going to have to put on a really good performance, and you're coming off of a bye week. You feel like this team should be refreshed, renewed, and ready to go uh, for this game in which they are the better team. 
And so now they just need to show it. I like the Bears to win this one 34-17. I think they actually win it fairly comfortably. I think they're just a better football team, especially mm-hmm. coming off of a bye. Um, and, and to be clear, like, this is not – you know, doomsday scenario, like if they lose, like the world's crumbling. But it's just a simple fact that if they, they lose on Thursday, like the Big 12 titles, like that's gone. And it's really then it becomes a conversation about like how many games can they win make and, a and make, yeah. and you know, and I don't want to get to there, but if they lose on Thursday, like that's very much a conversation next week is how do they make a bowl game? Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be like panic guy, but that's just the facts. It I is. mean, yeah, that's just where we are in the schedule right now. Absolutely. So let's move forward to Saturday, 11 a.m. on ESPN2. This is going to be an interesting line, I think. Uh, Craig, for us to evaluate here. Kansas travels to Norman to take on Oklahoma. Kansas, number 19 team in the nation. They're 5-1, and one, coming off of a really close loss to TCU in which they lost their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. I'm not sure if he's playing this he's week. Not. He's not playing. Right. Okay. I mean, at least that I saw a little while ago, Jason Bean is starting. Bean. Yeah. Okay. And then Oklahoma, on the other hand, they should get Dylan Gabriel back, at least. That's what And if they don't, are. and all I see is Davis freaking Bevel. Yeah. I'm going to Norman, and I'm hunting down Brent Venables because that was inexcusable to yeah. just keep rolling Davis Bevel out there against Texas. I'm, I'm sorry. There had to be other options well, than that. And, and uh, here's even better. Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite. The over-under is 62.5 points in this game. Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite against number 19, Kansas. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a Vegas guy, so I, I don't know what they're trying to pull there. I guess get folks on the Kansas side of things to to pony up, I guess. I mean, there's there's obviously they play with it's those lines. Elevated. It was at seven and a half yesterday. Man. So, so the money's going to Oklahoma. Hmm. That's, I think, expecting Gabriel to play yeah. and expecting Daniels to not play. And look, the get. Texas game, they might have still and probably would have still gotten embarrassed just given kind of where both teams were coming in. But Gabriel would have made some difference. Like, oh, they if wouldn't you have watched the first half. That game would have probably been like 21 14. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. And so if he's coming back, then that makes a lot of sense for why that would be um, kind of how it's projected. I do think, too, there's like, I do feel like a little bit of that bulletproof shield that Kansas had is now it's down now because they've they finally lost and then you add the Daniels injury into that so if we're thinking Daniels is hurt KU's not like 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 finding horseshoes everywhere they look and Dylan Gabriel's back and on a mission even though he's not perfect by any means like okay I can believe Oklahoma can win this game I really don't know like I really don't know what to expect but I don't know. There seems to be a lot of mojo in, in OU's favor somehow or another following one of the most embarrassing losses of all time. So I'll, I'll just follow that because there's got to be something to it, I would think. But I really have no clue in this game. Yeah, I think if Jalen Daniels doesn't play and Dylan Gabriel plays, I actually do think Oklahoma wins this yeah. game. But they are not covering eight points. <laughs> I, I, what? Why? Are, I mean, they just lost 49-0. to Why are they getting eight points against a top-20 team in the country? I think it'll be close. But I do think with Dylan Gabriel, it makes things more interesting. My surest bet on this game is the over, though. Both these teams are scoring on each other. Um, I think the final score will be something like 34-31 OU survives. A very close one against a very solid Kansas team. Golly, if Kansas beats them, even though it's a respectable Kansas team, it's just going to be They are beating them. If, If Gabriel's not healthy, they are going to beat them probably pretty badly. 
Yeah, he's the, he's the wild card. And, again, like, he could come out and throw a bunch of picks, too, for all we know. Like, he's not uh, – you know, he's way better than what yeah. we've seen. I'm just saying, though, he's not a Heisman contender or, no. you know, what we come to expect. But he, he makes a difference. And it was interesting to me, though, last week, I thought Lebby was going to pull out the North Carolina Wildcat. And he should have. And he should have, dude. Yeah. Like, he really should have. He went away from it. Yeah. He should have. And, like, they started doing that. And then what happened was they threw the interception. And it was a bad interception – by a guy who's not a quarterback who just lofted it up like it was a free throw, and that was a mistake. But once they that play occurred, like they completely felt like went the other direction. Every time Bevel was out there, it was a waste of a day. Oh yeah, and and that's what Every I time. meant a second ago by saying like that was just inexcusable to to not have something better in the in the chamber to to come out to to go to war with and then Davis Bevel. Yeah, that was. That, that was interesting when I thought they were going to run Wildcat, but uh, they got away from it pretty early. Absolutely. Okay, so also at 11 a.m., another winless Big 12 team, Iowa State, travels to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns, who are now number 22 in the country. Iowa State, you know, they just continue to lose here. They've lost three in a row, um, lost to Kansas State in what was just a very close game at We'll get to that in a second. And then Texas, on the other hand, uh, they blew the doors off Oklahoma. Texas is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 49-and-a-half. Give me Texas. Um, I just don't see what Iowa State has to to be able to really make this too much of a contest. I mean, even if they play great defense, Texas is still going to score some points, and Iowa State's offense is just uh, abysmal right now. So, yeah, give me Texas without question. That Xavier Hutchinson drop. For Iowa State, they're going to be thinking about that for a long time. They had the game maybe won against Kansas State. He drops that fourth down catch. Um, one of the best receivers in the country. Big drop there. Yeah, they're not beating Texas. Just sums um, up their season, really. It does. They they can't um, they can't score with Texas, and that's going to be the ultimate problem here. Um, so I think Texas is going to win this game, something like thirty-one to fourteen. I just I think the Longhorns will kind of cruise in this game. I don't think it's going to be a massive blowout. Because um, the Iowa State defense will hold them in check a little, but at the end of the day, it'll be a solid win for the Longhorns. Finally, on two at two thirty p.m. on ABC, the game of the week in the Big Twelve. Number eight Oklahoma State travels to Fort Worth to take on number thirteen TCU. Both teams are five and zero. TCU is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty eight and a half. Oklahoma State coming off the win over Texas Tech in what was maybe a little closer than expected, and TCU a narrow victory over Kansas. Yeah, dude, I've I've been unable to kind of land on a coin flip here. Even like I've, I've coin flipped this game because that's the only way I can come to it a decision on on an outcome. I think I'm going TCU here, but I this is a really intriguing game. Like this is a super intriguing game. Uh, Oklahoma State being at home and Texas Tech being as battle tested as were, I did expect them to pull away a lot quicker than they did, but. To Joey and, and the Red Raiders' credit, man, they just scrap. It's like the Matt Rule teams. They just scrap and fight, and they are not going to let you get, you know see the zeros hitting the clock and, unless you're bloodied and battered, even if you are the victor. like mm-hmm. um, So they, they made Oklahoma State earn that. And so, yeah, I think I'm going TCU, but I, I, I don't know. This is a, a really intriguing game. Yeah, I don't think TCU's played a defense as good as Oklahoma State's, mm-hmm. even though Oklahoma State's defense isn't world beaters like they were a year ago i still don't think tcu's been quite tested offensively yet um games against kansas oklahoma colorado smu those don't really those are bad defenses Mm -hmm. really bad oklahoma state on the other hand has had to go on the road and beat baylor 
So I think coming into this game, they're going to be ready for another road test. They're already battle-tested after that Baylor game. And then again with Tech, I trust Spencer Sanders more than I do Max Duggan uh, just as a veteran leader, and he's playing really well at this point in the year. So I think Oklahoma State's going to go on the road, get a big win, and really, in my eyes, solidify themselves as a favorite to make it to Arlington if they're able to to get through this game with a win. So I'll take the Cowboys 31-27 in what should be a very, very good game. Yep, and uh, it's only Tuesday, so by the time we're around and making a pick, I could very well be going in that same direction. Because, like yeah. I said, this is a this is a coin flip type of game, in my opinion. But the reasons you outline are smart reasons for why the the Pokes sh- could should be the favorites in this game. Um, but still, TCU on a, on a nice little run right now, so yeah. there will be some scoring in this game, that's for sure. Uh, so, all right, there's the Big Twelve schedule. Ought to be another very interesting week in the conference and. Uh, obviously there's some separation being created, but we'll have a little bit more, uh, probably coming up this weekend or it just gets even more muddled, uh, which either way it'll be fun to discuss, but, uh, grace and anything before we go, uh, with a game coming up here in just a couple of days. No, just another exciting week. I'm in the big 12. Of course, if you're a Baylor fan, uh, check out Sikkim 365 premium side, all kinds of news, content, information, basketball is right around the corner. So lots of news and notes on that recruiting on the football side as well. And then, of course, uh, 365 Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, all kinds of college football content there as well. Yeah, and uh, I believe we just hit 25K, so um, definitely appreciate everybody who's chipped in on on that as far as supporting the channel and subscribing. And, and if you haven't already, please go to 365 Sports on YouTube and subscribe and uh, join us for the uh, the ride of talking Baylor football and Baylor athletics and also, you know, the big picture college football as well. So uh, it's a halfway point already, man. It took forever to get to the start of the season, and now we're already halfway through. That's kind of how it goes, though, and it ought to be a really interesting second half of the year. Uh, especially for Baylor coming up in just a matter of, of two days because this is, as we outlined and stated multiple times now, a very important game coming up on Thursday night for the Bears and where they want to go the rest of the way. But the same can be said for their opponent in West Virginia. So uh, that makes for, for quite the, the little contest coming up here on Thursday night. Uh, until then, uh, we'll have all sorts of coverage, uh, both before and the lead up uh, 365 I should mention sports on Thursday the regular show will be kind of almost an unofficial pregame show mm-hmm. for that and then obviously we'll be back on Friday talking about the game uh, in depth so looking forward to, to doing all that and hopefully talking about a win in the meantime appreciate everybody out there listening those who sent in questions appreciate our good folks behind the scenes as well and uh, until next week for Grayson Grunhafer I'm Craig Smoke it's been the Bearcast on 365 Sports, Sikkim365.com.